We left the last episode with Israelites wandering around their encampment with digging tools designed especially to bury their poo. After this toilet break, Moses continues to spell out the laws which he feels are the most useful ones once the Israelites have settled into their new land. They really are a smorgasbord of rules, with little to connect one from the other, but one overarching theme is that of social justice. This is a term that should be used loosely. By today's standards, allowing a woman no say in who she marries, keeping slaves and stoning people for working on Saturdays seems utterly barbaric, but we judge Bronze Age cultures by modern-day Western ones at our peril. This is not like for like. Like for like would be to compare Israel's rules with, say, ancient Egypt's or Canaan's, both of whom had slaves, killed citizens for breaking rules and subjugated women, although Egypt did allow women to divorce, run businesses and act as witnesses in court. It's probably more helpful to try and see the fairness and kindness behind some of these rules, as they give a better idea of the big picture that is being painted by these early books of the Bible. God is creating his own nation that needs to be clearly identifiable by its behaviour, clothing and religious rights. And that means everyone being on the same page. My name is Chaz Bayfield and this is Holy Bible episode 49, Grabbed by the Balls. not a believer and you've been following this podcast from the beginning, it's quite an incredible achievement. Many Christians get bogged down in these chapters, so for someone with no faith to make it this far deserves a little recognition. Do let me know on the Holy Bible Twitter feed how you're finding it. Christians, you are welcome too, although this has always been your book. My shtick is that the Bible is for everyone, not just believers. The Bible I refer to is a now very dog-eared Zondervan New International Version UK edition. Right, let's get back to Moses. The rules given by Moses may appear in no particular order, but justice is a central theme. Runaway slaves are to be given refuge and allowed to live where they want. In a surprisingly enlightened ruling that suggests that these men and women are actually humans with rights rather than just property, the runaways shouldn't be returned to their owners. Any Israelite who chooses to become a prostitute at a pagan shrine is on shaky ground, Moses warns his listeners. These prostitutes can be both men and women, and perhaps sleep with people for money in the hope that their client's fertility is improved. These earnings must not make their way into the temple coffers, the people are told as God detests anyone who engages in this kind of behaviour. No one is to charge a fellow Israelite interest on a loan, although any money loaned to foreigners has no cap on it. Although Jews are still forbidden to loan money to other Jews, an agreement known as Heter Iska has been developed and changes the loan into a co-investment where the lender and borrower are reconfigured as business partners. Developed by rabbis as a clever workaround, the investor puts money into a kind of trust that exists between them and the borrower. The borrower simply takes the money out, then puts a greater amount of money back in over time. As with many of these rules, Moses adds that honouring this will ensure that God blesses his people in their new country. 
Any vows made to God must be honoured in good time, Moses says. He assures his listeners that God will be unimpressed by any vow maker who drags their heels and that doing so constitutes a sin. There is no crime in not making vows, he adds. He just wants to be sure that his people are men and women of their word, especially as that word was given freely and promised to God. It seems that Israel's fields and vineyards are to be seen as a pick-your-own opportunity for everyone, as long as the grapes aren't collected in a basket and the corn isn't cut with a sickle. In other words, people can take a handful of grapes or corn ears if they're hungry while on the road, but may not harvest someone else's crops. Marriage and divorce get a look-in amongst the rest of the social justice law-giving. A man who divorces his wife can't then remarry her after her next husband divorces her. It's uncertain what this rule means, but it may be that it is protecting the woman from being legally pimped out to other men by her husband using sham marriage and divorce procedures. Such behaviour defiles Israel, Moses tells any man who might be thinking of doing this. Recently, married men are not to go to war, as they may die before they can make their new wife happy. Newlyweds should be given at least a year before the man begins any military duties. The miscellany continues. No one who is owed money should take a man's millstones as security for a debt, as this prevents a family from eating or making money to pay back the debt. Anyone kidnapping a fellow Israelite and selling him or her into slavery, as Joseph's brothers did, must die. Those with skin diseases should follow the orders of the priests, and Moses reminds his listeners of what happened to his own sister, who was temporarily struck down with leprosy. However, Miriam wasn't punished for not following procedure. According to the Book of Numbers, she was struck down for opposing Moses, implying a failure to trust God. No one who is owed money should enter a debtor's house, as they may find something they would like as security, but which the person cannot afford to lose. Instead, they must wait outside and take what they are given. They mustn't keep the item overnight, especially if it is a cloak, an all-purpose garment that serves as a bed and blanket, and which would leave their debtor destitute. Moses points out that the person who owes them money will be thankful as a result and that God will see that they have done the right thing. A sense of social justice pervades these laws. Workers are to be paid a fair wage at the end of the day, especially if they are poor or needy and won't survive until an employer finally gets round to shelling out some coins. If this doesn't happen and the workers cry out to God, Moses assures employers that he will count any tardy payment as a sin. Parents can't be put to death for any crime carried out by their children, and vice versa. Each should suffer their own punishment, Moses tells them. What's more, the people shouldn't forget that they were once slaves in Egypt, which is why they should be kind to those who have nothing and never deny them justice. Out in the fields and vineyards, harvesters are not to go back over their crops a second time, so that something is left for the foreigners and the fatherless who have no food. Doing this will ensure God's blessing, the people are told. The laws in this section of the Bible continue like divine grape shot. However, they continue to connect to one another in the sense that there is kindness and humanity behind them. For this reason, it's easy to see how some view the Bible as the birthplace of human rights. As far as justice goes, legal cases are to be decided by a court. 
If the punishment is a good flogging, the maximum number of lashes is 40 to save degrading fellow Israelites in front of their peers. Animals are to be treated humanely too. Oxen who are trampling grain should be allowed to eat some of the produce while they work. A widow with no son must not marry outside of her family in case her husband's name dies out. Her husband's brother must marry her and any children will therefore continue the family name. If the man doesn't want to marry her, the town's elders should try to talk him round, but if he still resists, the widow should pull off his sandal and spit in his face, an act of public shaming on him and his family. From that day on, the man's family will be known as the family of the unsandaled. This may sit at odds with the rule that Jewishness is passed on through the mother, not the father. Until the first century BC, Jews traced their lineage through their fathers. However, as they began intermarrying with Gentiles, the rule changed so that people were only considered Jewish if their mother was a Jew. If for some hot-headed reason a woman decides to break up a fight between her husband and another man by grabbing the man by the balls, she can expect to have her hand cut off. This may be because testicles are necessary to produce Israelites, and so threatening a man's ability to father children is seen as a crime. Weights and measures are to be standardised, accurate and honest, and the Israelites are warned that God hates anyone who cheats or acts dishonestly. Finally, God's people are told to remember how the Amalekites took advantage of them when they were exhausted after their escape from Egypt. The account of this battle is covered in episode 20, New Rules. God sees this as unfinished business, and Moses orders his people that once they have subdued their neighbours and settled down in their new home, they are to blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses sees beyond the imminent battles to a time of settlement and harvest, and he wants this to be his people's focus. He reminds his people of the importance of offering God the first crops from their fields, groves and vineyards, as well as the first young to be born to their livestock. Honouring the God who they believe has accompanied them on their journey is not just important, Moses is also selling the dream. The assumption is that the land that is currently inhabited by terrifying warlike pagans will be subdued and will produce an abundance of crops. The Israelites are to gather the first of their harvest in a basket, take it to the designated worship centre and hand it to a priest, telling him that they have arrived in the land which God promised to their ancestors. The priest will then take the offering and set it down by the altar, at which point the Israelites must recite a prayer which sums up Jewish history from Jacob to the settlement of Canaan. The prayer begins, My father was a wandering Aramean, an allusion to Jacob, whose grandfather Abraham settled in Aram after leaving the Mesopotamian city of Ur. The prayer continues to tell how Jacob went down to Egypt, where his descendants became a populous nation, before being ill-treated by the Egyptians who subjected them to forced labour. It tells how the people cried out to God, who heard them and brought them out of captivity with, quote, mighty hand and outstretched arm, and a host of miracles and wonders. Israelites are to tell the priests that God brought them to this land flowing with milk and honey, a term that no doubt serves as an enticing advertising slogan to the beleaguered travellers at its gate. The people are to announce their intention to offer the first produce from their harvest to God, 
before setting the basket before the altar and bowing down. After this, they should join with the Levites and the foreign converts who live among them to celebrate what they see as God's blessing. The people are reminded to set aside a tenth of all their produce every three years so that those with no income, the Levites, the foreigners, the fatherless and the widows, have something to eat. While Bronze Age writings from ancient Egypt and Babylon do place an emphasis on philanthropy, there is an argument for Israel being the first civilization to organise welfare for those with no income. The Israelites are to announce to God that they have been generous and that they have kept and remembered all his laws. They must also be able to say with a clear conscience that they have not eaten any sacrificed food while they are in mourning. An unusual example of obedience, as this doesn't seem to be one of the laws mentioned at Mount Sinai. The sense might be that the person has been in contact with a dead body and so is ritually unclean, rendering them temporarily ineligible to offer sacrifices. The person making the offering must then announce that they have never offered anything to God while they are in a state of uncleanness. The list of what makes a person ritually contaminated is a long one and can be found back in the book of Leviticus. They should also add that they have never made any sacrificial offering to the dead, which appears to be a local pagan ritual. The people should be able to tell God honestly that they have done everything which he has told them to do, asking him to look down from what Moses describes as his heavenly dwelling place, blessing them in the abundant paradise that he promised their ancestors that he would give to them. All God's laws matter, Moses tells his listeners, and all of them need to be strictly adhered to. In their prayer at the altar, they have announced that God is their God, and that they will obey him, listen to him, and keep to his rules. In turn, God has announced that the people are his treasured possession, and that he will set them up above all other nations, while keeping them special and set apart from the others. Moses now appears to be standing with the rest of Israel's leadership team as the following message comes from all of them. The instruction is to take some large stones, cover them with plaster, write the laws on them and set them up on the summit of Ibal, a mountain close to the city of Shechem. They should also set up an altar here, the first holy place dedicated to God in Canaan. The altar is to be a roughshod affair. No iron tools are to be used in its construction. This echoes God's instructions to Moses on Mount Sinai that altars are not to be ornate affairs, possibly to stop human ego and creativity getting in the way of worshipping God. Once the stones have been set up, animal sacrifices are to be made to God, which should then be eaten joyfully. This is a celebration. The sense is that they have finally made it, and God really has brought them safely into the land promised to their ancestors centuries earlier. The book of Deuteronomy describes Moses standing with the Levitical priests, which could either mean the tribal elders of Israel, the leaders of the Levite tribe, or Aaron's sons Eleazar and Ithamar, who so far are Israel's only priests. The men order silence and inform the crowd that they have now become the people of the Lord your God, suggesting that the wilderness was a proving ground and a rite of passage and that they are now ready to claim the inheritance that is the land currently known as Canaan. The people are told to obey God and to follow the instructions which they are about to receive. 
Once they crossed the river, Israel's tribes are to be split in two, then sent to two different mountain summits with two very different briefs. Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph and Benjamin are to climb Mount Gerizim to bless their fellow Israelites. Note that Ephraim and Manasseh here are bundled together as one tribe, Joseph. Meanwhile, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan and Naphtali are to climb Mount Ebal, where they are to run through the curses that will befall Israel should its people turn away from God. The cursing is the responsibility of the Levites, who, in a loud voice, are to decry people who plan to carry out a number of behaviours which Moses says are detestable to God. These include making an idol in secret, acting dishonestly to parents, covertly moving a neighbour's boundary stone, leading blind people in the wrong direction, denying justice to the weak and helpless, or sleeping with their father's wife. All these appear to set a person at the sharp end of God's fury. Similarly, anyone tempted by a spot of bestiality, incest, sex with their in-laws, murder or contract killing is told that they are on a road to nowhere. Everyone is to keep to the letter of the law, Moses says, and when the curses are read out by their priests as they stand on the mountain, the people are to shout, Amen, to show that they fully understand the rules. Moses now runs through some blessings which the Israelites should expect to receive if they stick to God's rules. The assumption is that these will also be read out by priests, but on nearby Mount Gerizim. The people are told that if they follow the laws, they will be set high above all the nations on earth. The Israelites will be blessed wherever they live. Their children, crops, flocks and herds, the basket they use to collect food and the trough they use to pummel dough, as well as their daily comings and goings, will be blessed. According to Moses, all of Israel's enemies will be defeated. They may attack from one direction, but will scatter in seven. Their crops and everything else the Israelites touch will be blessed, their leaders assure them. The people are told that God will establish them as his special nation and that this divine protection will instil fear in neighbouring kingdoms. Prosperity is guaranteed, they are promised. Their children, their livestock and their produce will multiply. The heavens will open and irrigate their crops. All their work will be blessed and they will be given the wealth to lend but will never need to borrow. Assuming that they stick to the rules, they will be the head and never the tail, the top and never the bottom, Moses tells them. Moses again urges his people not to deviate from any of God's diktats, nor under any circumstances to have their heads turned by other gods. His words mark the end of an all-you-can-eat buffet of laws, many of which show deep concern for the most vulnerable in society. Having touched on what might happen if the Israelites choose to turn their backs on God, the next chapters enter full-on diatribe. The horrors which await those who rebel are spelled out in graphic detail. Israel, it appears, has everything to win, but having spent 40 years with these people, Moses is under no illusion of their ability to stick to the plan. To him, fear is a good motivator, and if his words are true, the dangers of turning away from the faith are terrifying. 
Wholly Viable is written and produced by me, Chas Bayfield, with music by Michael Old and John Hawkins Music. Cover art is by Lisa Goff. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Search Holy Bible, W-H-O-L-L-Y-B-U-Y-A-B-L-E. And if you like this podcast, please recommend us to your friends and give us a five-star rating wherever you're listening. Thank you.